And welcome back to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV, in the movies, and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And we're back. This is uh, issue number eight for the first week of May 2007. We had a great show at Starfest. Uh, Thank you, guys. I mean, this is our first new one since then. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it in front of a live audience. I hope everyone enjoyed the audio and the video out there. So now everybody knows what we look like. Yeah, they can stalk us now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going good. We're we're enjoying the show. Uh, It was fun doing it live, but now we're back to doing it our, our regular normal Skype method. Yeah, until I think next you guys year. are enjoying it, too. I mean, we've got lots of people out there listening, so we really appreciate it, you guys. Talking about that, let's get right into some emails. Mark, who uh, wrote in with a very complimentary, very nice email, um, he, he talked a lot about you know how he thought we were doing a really good job on the podcast, and that was great. He did have one criticism. Um, he did ask to suggest that we bar the phrase visually interesting from any future discussions because we overuse the term. So uh, just for you, Mark, we're going to stop using the term visually interesting, where we will now start saying graphically arresting. I hope that works out for you. I was thinking Purdy, maybe we'll start referring to things as Purdy. <laughs> but no, seriously, we will kind of try to look at things that we, we say too much or, or phrases that we use. You know, Just def- definitely let us know about that, and, and, and we'll look at that. But it was a really great email, and really appreciate that from Mark. Um, so let's get on to the new stuff for the week. Let's talk news. You can always get additional info and links to these stories on our website, SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of the site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. So let's get started uh, with the first story, and uh, it's happening right now as we speak. Spider-Man's already been released in quite a few countries around the world. Uh, we're, we're talking on Wednesday. It doesn't open up till midnight on Thursday in the U.S., but uh, it's already out there in uh, a lot of countries in Europe and uh, Asia, and it's breaking single-day records pretty much everywhere it's opened. Um, it has uh, Most of its single-day totals are, are records, and they're records that are more than the combined box office of the first two films' opening days combined in most European countries that it's opening in right now. Also in the U.S., which, where it hasn't opened yet, uh, one of the main sites to order tickets online, Fandango.com, they're reporting that it's currently 94% of their business at the moment. So 94% of, of all tickets that Fandango is selling right now are advanced tickets for Spider-Man 3. This really doesn't come as any surprise. I mean, it's the first major blockbuster of the summer and, and one of the most popular blockbuster franchises as well. So, uh, I mean, I think it's great, but but I don't, I'm don't i not finding it shocking, really. Yeah, I mean, in all the advertising for it, it, it looks really good. It looks like it could be, you know, better than the first two films. Well, it doesn't bode well for me. I'm going to try and see it on Friday night, so maybe I need uh, to go get some tickets for I it. I think yeah, if you I haven't ordered that. them online, actually, I know the theater that you might be ordering it from, and I think they've already sold out some shows. So, because so, <laughs> I, I was looking on Fandango today for some of our local theaters, so, so you might want to get on that and get get your tickets ordered for for that Friday evening show right now. Sounds yeah. good. Been looking forward to it. You know, I've been looking at the the movie blog and seeing all the. The videos that they have been releasing and all the news and the trailers and yeah, I mean, anticipation's high for this one. Yeah, I showed I showed a lot of those video blogs at the uh, convention as as part of the uh, video stuff that I was showing and, and a lot of people showed up for that just to watch the little two or three minute clips off the internet. Yeah, it really just goes to show that if you make a quality product, which it's really looking like Spider-Man Three is, then you'll get the audience. People will will go crazy to go see it. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing some insane rumors about about the budget, about the cost. I mean, something that probably fits under the 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 rumor area instead of the regular news. But I mean, they're talking up 
upwards of 300 million and that's just kind of getting insane but but uh they obviously pretty sure they're gonna get it back yeah i'm pretty sure they will and then some so the next big one after Spider-Man uh, in terms of superhero films, uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, we finally got a new trailer for that on Monday. So far, we'd only had the small little teaser. Um, I, I don't know if both of you guys had got a chance to see that yet. Yeah, I did um, see the new trailer. It, yeah, it was it, on It really got Apple's a lot, website. Of, lot more extensive. Um, we finally got to hear the uh, surfer speak now that they'd announced the uh, voice as Lawrence Fishburne. We actually got to hear him for, I think it was, what, about five words? <laughs> yeah, not even quite one line. I guess it was Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, it didn't sound, you know, like him, but no. I guess yeah, it's that him, definitely it's him. was distinctive as, as him to me. Yeah, we finally saw, I think, just a kind of a couple glimpses of uh, Doctor Doom in there. Yeah, it gave us a little bit more of maybe like an impression of what we can expect from the movie. I think since the previous trailer was really just one scene, one short scene from the film, this one's more like more a of a regular trailer, trailer where it gives yeah. you a couple different things from the movie. Right, and it does look like uh, they've improved a lot from the first one. Well, the one thing I could say is it, it was a really great trailer, but then so were some of the trailers for the first film. I mean, the people at Fox seem to really excel at very, very exciting trailers. It's just a question of is that going to be indicative of, of how exciting or good the movie is? Well, I think, and we, we've discussed this in the past on the show, I think that just not being bogged down in the origin will, will help them to, to maybe be able to tell a more exciting and interesting story. And uh, I mean, they sure picked a, I mean, they picked a classic Fantastic Four story. It'll be interesting to see their movie take on the Galactus story. Yeah, and that's the one thing they still didn't give any indication of. We don't see anything of Galactus at all. That's still kind of big up in the air thing is how Galactus will be done now that we know it's not the voice of Lawrence Fishburne. We're now back to kind of, you know, square one of not knowing how Galactus is going to be done in the film at all. Yeah, there's well, a lot of rumor see. out there, but no, uh, no fact yet. And they're being, it seems like the studio is being really cagey about how they're going to do him. So we'll see. Well, in the trailer, there was a character there who was black and kind of hooded, shadowy. Was that that's Dr. Doom? Doom. Doom. Yeah. Ah, okay, because he was kind of blown to pieces in the one scene. Yeah, so it's yeah like, that's, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's the Doctor Doom in there. Because we know yeah, he's gotcha. going to be having battles with the Surfer and have several different physical forms in there. Yeah, one of the stories from the comics, uh, Doctor Doom actually is able to steal the Surfer's power away from him for a while. So they're probably going to fit a version of that into the film as well, which would really be the only reason to include Doctor Doom in the story. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say after the first film, you know, not being very good, that we should all not reward bad films by going and paying to see the new film. But you know, that's not even a possibility. No, that's not going to happen. You know, there's if, no way that I'm not going to see the film. Yeah, what if it's good? You know, there's there I can there. Are, several cases where where they finally got it right with the second one so we'll uh, see if this is the case but it'll be nice you just, to, won't, you just nice won't see it twice or three times that's no. all or maybe you will if it's good right yeah. i mean that's that's at this good. point is kind of the best you can do is just not you know go see it three times go see spider-man three three or four times <laughs> don't go see fantastic four three or four times yeah, see it see it once and just don't buy the the corresponding video game or any of the other stuff that goes with it Unless it's well, good. If it's good, you've got to you got to vote, and the way you vote is with your money. Right. Absolutely. If, if it is good, you should go see it a couple of times. So uh, another trailer that came out this week. Um, we, we've been talking about the uh, direct-to-DVD films that DC is doing, and the first one of which is Superman Doomsday, and, and we talked about the casting on it. Uh, we talked about some of the production on it, but at that point we hadn't actually seen any of the animation or any of the footage from it, and they finally came out with a trailer for that. Um, they actually put together a whole website. Um, for that, for Superman Doomsday. Uh, they also released the date that uh, it will come out. It'll come out September 18th, and um, the trailer actually looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked all right. It, um, it's interesting, though, that, that 
when Bruce Tim initially announced this trio of uh, projects that he was going to do uh, based on uh, various stories from DC's past, he said that he was going to do them in the style of the uh, comics that they're based on. And yet the trailer for Superman Doomsday really looks like it's the, the standard DC animated style that he's been doing with Batman and with Justice League and so forth. It looks similar, but it looked kind of more the darkest expression of that. It looked like kind of the, the darker edge of that style. That's definitely true. And to to sort of qualify that, um, that particular story, the Death of Superman story, was not really visually distinctive in any way. It well, there was no single artist that, that did it. It was a whole bunch of artists on a whole different bunch of different books. And none of them had a particularly distinctive style to, to how they drew it. It was all just pretty basic 90s comic book style. So I don't know how you really could reflect the uh, the art of the the comics in that case. So we'll have to see how he does on the other two. Also, if you go to the website, I, I actually didn't uh, put the website in the notes, but I'll put it in the show notes when I put out the podcast. Um, the the website for it has something different than the trailer. It actually has a several-minute um, talk with the creators and, and the all the people who worked on it, Bruce Tim and, and Andrew Romano is back doing the voice direction. She, she did the voice direction for all of the DC Animated Universe, um, some of the writers and, and creators and stuff on that, talking about how they were taking on the story, what, what their point of view on it was, and, and how they wanted to keep it dark. They wanted, you know, that it is the most violent Superman story, and they didn't want that lost in it. Yeah, right. Which, rightly right, so. That's the video that I saw, and I was surprised because I saw that, but I didn't see a link to the trailer on there, so I guess they're keeping those Yeah, I think the trailer came from a different thing. I think it came from Yahoo. Yeah, I had a hard time finding the trailer, actually. A lot of the, uh, I searched, did a search on it, and a lot of the sites that had it had a little notice saying removed at the request of Warner Brothers. Oh, really? So I think the trailer must have broke, and a bunch of people posted it, and then Warner Brothers decided they didn't want it posted everywhere and went around and had everybody. Oh, gotcha. I must have just caught it very, very early on Monday when it it first hit and was able to watch that first. Tuesday afternoon when I was looking for it. But there's some good storyboards in that, uh, what they have up there now. Which gives you a good feel for that animation, like you were talking about. Yeah, I think. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that as a complaint. I li- I love this style of of all the previous DC animated shows. So if it's in that style, that's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that at all. It 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 was the most hopeful for it that I'd been so far. I kind of was reserving judgment till I started to see, you know, how they were going to make it look and and kind of how darker it looked, and and I, I was pretty impressed with it. Well, I think it's interesting that they're marketing it as Superman slash Doomsday instead of Death of Superman. I mean, is there? I think that that would be a little. For that? T- yeah, um, that there's kids in the world <laughs> that, <laughs> that that you've got you know millions of American consumers who you know when they see anything that says something like the death of Superman, kids start freaking out and stop buying Superman toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which <laughs> well, the kiddies, you'll be in for a surprise if pops pops this one in. Yeah, and and I'm DVD. fine with that. I don't think you. I think you can separate that and say this is not, you know, a film for children. You know, this is the, and, and so you know if you if you can't call it the death of Superman and you call it Superman Doomsday in order to kind of belie that fact that uh, I'm fine with that. You know, who cares what the story's called as long as it's done well. But I mean, the fact that on the cover you do have the the blood dripping red Superman S on it, right on the cover of the DVD, that's should give a clue. Okay, so moving on to a bunch of new information about the Iron Man film, which which is looking better and better all the time. Um, definitely getting more and more excited for that, although it's still a year away. Um, first thing was that um, you know it's been now about ten days since we did the Starfest, so there's been uh, you know 
bunch of things to cover since then. Last week, uh, they had released a photo of Robert Downey Jr. Um, as Tony Stark forging the original Mark I armor, the gray armor that we'd already seen in the previous picture a couple weeks earlier to that. And uh, that was a pretty cool picture because it was just kind of him, kind of sweaty and dirty and, you know, wearing a T-shirt, hammering iron, forging iron with, with, a, with a big hammer. Uh, but the exciting thing in it was that you saw in his chest a kind of glowing centerpiece. And um, John Favreau later in the week kind of clarified that he, he has a, had a MySpace page for the Iron Man film ever since he started working on it. And on his page, he, he confirmed a couple of things, mostly things that we already knew. Uh, but he did say that, you know, there will be multiple sets of armor. You'll have the gray one that we've already seen. And then you also have the, the more uh, famous, the more traditional red and gold suits. Um, but that he wanted to clarify that the light in the chest uh, in his shirt was that he actually is wearing the, the chest piece. That uh, under his shirt, so that the kind of glowing light under his shirt is not just, you know, just something coming out from his shirt, or that it's above the shirt, or anything like that. That he will actually have a chest piece on, and it's just underneath the shirt that he's wearing there. And that's kind of been a signature image for all of their marketing for it. I mean, the initial poster that they did, uh, most of the things that they've shown have all kind of centered on that glowing center circular light in his chest, which uh, you know, fan, fans of Iron Man kind of know as the repulsor ray. But it's a it's yeah it's a pretty classic part of the of Iron Man's look. And then just seeing that, just seeing Robert Downey Jr. with the hammer, you know, forging the armor with the glowing you know chest. I mean, that just was pretty cool. It seems to me that with I mean with Marvel taking a direct hand in in producing their films, if nothing else, we're going to see films that are closer to the comics. You know, for for better or for worse, we're going to see films that treat the source material with, with more respect than maybe we have in the past. They're not going to change as much because Marvel's attitude is going to be, well, the way we do it clearly works. So why change it? Yeah, and that's at never le- Hollywood. And at least attitude. closer to the spirit of the material. You yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. Well, as fans, that's what we want. Yeah, exactly. We want to be able to recognize the characters, situations, and say, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. That looks great. Yeah, or at the very least, the the films we want the films to be produced by people who understand the material. Yeah, that's that's the main thing is picking good filmmakers who are really excited about the material, who aren't just being brought on to it as their next project. That are just that really wanted to do these films, that fought to get to do these films. And John Favreau definitely seems to be someone like that. Um, also on his MySpace page, he confirms some other stuff that you know Jeff Bridges is is playing Stain, that Stain is a villain, that uh, he's he's bald <laughs> playing him. I mean, all things that we'd already known. There'd been pictures of of Jeff Bridges kind of hanging out in Hollywood with with that look. Um, but he did also say that 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 the filmmakers will be at Comic Con. There will be a panel there in in July in San Diego, and that right now they're kind of discussing teasers and trailers so that so they might hopefully put something together uh, to be released at Comic-Con, which would be really cool. I bet they will, yeah. And then the more exciting news uh, just happened yesterday is that after that picture last week, we've kind of had this succession of, of pictures. We had, you know, the picture of him in the gray armor. We had the picture of just uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know, as as Tony Stark, and now yesterday they came out with the first kind of image of the red and gold armor of the, of the you know the main armor that he'll be wearing. Um, I'm not quite as excited about that picture as a lot of people are because everyone's talking about that it's the first real picture of him in armor and looking at the picture it looked more like a drawing to me <laughs> um it, it you know the way it, the way it was on a background i mean it was in entertainment weekly it seemed to me like a picture that had already been mocked up to be put out as publicity materials to be given to the magazines it didn't look like an actual shot from the film like like the gray picture did the gray armor picture looked like him actually in that armor in the film in in the shooting Right, and I think you're probably right. I think probably the red and gold image was something that they sent out to magazines because magazines are starting to want to write stories about the movie. 
But it did at least give you an indication of what that armor is going to look like, which basically looks exactly like the image that they put on the initial poster last year. I mean, that they had done a drawing, they'd taken a drawing from the comics and, and used that as their initial poster image just to get people excited about it last year at Comic-Con. And the the actual physical armor, as seen in the in the new photo, looks exactly like that. It's very angular. Um, it's not like smooth curves. It's more... more uh, armor-like is the best way to kind of describe it. You know, it, it, it doesn't look like clothing. It doesn't look like a metallic clothing. It looks like a suit of armor. It's very graphically arresting, Michael. <laughs> yes, it is very graphically, graphically arresting. arresting. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, you know, it seems to me that one of many reasons for a Hollywood production company to want to make a movie based on a comic book is to save on the design budget. Most of your, your look should already be done for you. You know, they, they usually end up changing a lot of stuff, but in this case, you know, why should they? They've got, and I, I actually read that comic that they used as a as a basis for the, our particular artist that they used as a basis for some of that stuff. And he does works in a really photorealistic style, so um, it probably gave him some great ideas to jump off from. Do you remember who that was? That... I cannot remember the okay. artist's name. That's the person the who I think actually head. did the poster image. Yeah, the, the book is in the, the other room, so I'd have to get up if I wanted to go look. Yeah, we'll have it in the notes for next week. Yep. Eric Roberts, um, most recently of Heroes, uh, is playing a mafia boss in uh, The Dark Knight. Um, they didn't say who the boss was. It could be you know, Boss Maroney. We've, we've speculated about other people possibly playing that character. It may completely just be some other you know mob boss being used in the film. But, I mean, Eric Roberts, pretty recognizable actor. You, you put him in a role because you, know, you think he's going to be distinctive in there. You know, I mean, they kind of did the same thing with Rutger Hauer in the first film. He played a mob boss in there. I didn't think he was he, – he didn't, like, really distinguish himself. Or actually, no, he wasn't a mob boss in there. He was the uh, company guy, right? Yeah, he was the yeah, guy, guy who was trying to take Wayne over Corp. Uh, Wayne Corp. But um, it could be a smaller role just like that was that, I mean, he, you know, he was there in the film, but he really didn't factor in hugely into the plot. But they, you know, used, you know, better actors so that it just kind of gives better texture to the film. But I just think, you know, Eric Roberts is always kind of interesting. I think he's doing some really great stuff on uh, Heroes right now. And it's just a good person to have added on to the cast. I've always liked Eric Roberts. He's always been one of my favorites. And, I, yeah, it'll be fun to see. And you're probably right. His, his part won't be major. I mean, the Batman comics have run through a long series of pretty much interchangeable, pretty stereotypical mob boss, Italian mob boss type characters. So, you know, the, he could be Maroney. He could be some new character who's they, – they're all basically the same character. They're the, the classic they're Italian They're all catalysts for, for everything yeah. else that's happening. Yeah, exactly. There's two types of for that that sort of mogul style of villain. You've either got your Italian mob guy or somebody like Roland Daggett from the comics. That's that's a Lex Luthor corporate owner type. And those are your your two two styles of villains with money. Well, I mean, to have a crime fighter, you got to have some crimes. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so you got to have your crime bosses. And if you have a crime fighter who's loaded like Batman is, it's it's sometimes helpful, I think, to have a an enemy who has equal resources available to him. True. Yep, so thought dramatically, about that way, but that's yeah, dramatically, it's useful to to have as a character. But chances are, I mean, I mean, clearly, the bulk of the film is should be about the Joker. So any other characters will be secondary to that. So still looking forward to that one. There, there, there have been some other news stories about it that we'll cover in the rumor treadmill instead of the news because they. This is the only thing kind of at the moment that's a real confirmed story. Um, so moving on to the 
continuing saga of what David Goyer will do next. We've talked about a number of projects that he's been working on, both as a screenwriter and as a director. Um, his film, The Invisible, just came out last week. I think it opened at number two. I think it's doing okay, but not stellar business. Um, but I don't know that it was expected to. It's a fairly small kind of thriller film that you know was did not have a lot of high hopes attached to it. But um, but it's 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 kind of holding its own, staying in the top five. Um, but he's you know we've talked about a lot of projects that he's been attached to as as a writer i mean obviously the big one that we were really excited about was the flash that where he's now off of but uh, he has now uh, signed to direct his next superhero film and uh, we we've also we've talked about the potential spin-offs for X-Men that they're working on too that they're that they're working on Wolverine and they're working on Magneto and i think it was just about a week or two ago and i think it might have been at the convention that we talked about that that there hadn't been any new news about Magneto in a long time, that most of the news had been coming out about Wolverine. Well, all of a sudden, now out of the blue, David Goyer is directing Magneto. All right. Fox has uh, hired him to do that. Uh, the script is by Sheldon Turner, although it's expected that David Goyer is probably going to work on the script himself now, um, but that it, uh, it is now you know, his, his top project for the moment. will be actually directing that film. And that... Sounds to me like they're they're planning something similar to the last uh, Hannibal Lecter film, where they're going to recast Magneto as a young man, and the film will be about him, him in his younger days. I don't know if I would call it an exciting superhero story because it's it's pretty dark and bleak and and depressing. So I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe Goyer will, will shift the the focus a bit, but yeah, it all depends on what what their kind of point of view or take on it is. You know. Yeah, I I don't know that Magneto's origin and early years are, are particularly entertaining movie material we'll see what happens that's our our new catchphrase okay next uh, kind of things that people have been hired for but uh aren't, aren't necessarily a lot of progression on uh chuck russell uh writer director who directed the scorpion king and the mask among other films uh, has been hired to direct mandrake and at the moment they're just calling it mandrake uh, Mandrake, for people who are unfamiliar, is kind of of the era of Flash Gordon, the Phantom, uh, kind of radio heroes, uh, early movie serials. He was uh, always known as Mandrake the Magician. And I'm not sure if the film that, that they're talking about making bears almost any resemblance to the character other than he's a magician. Uh, looks like it's very much updated. Um, here was kind of the notice about the film and the little synopsis about it. The film follows the magician's entrance into a world of grand magic and adventure. Jackson Mandrake has always lived life on the edge. Working as an underground magician, Mandrake's act has grown far too dangerous. One fateful afternoon, a CIA agent approaches Mandrake and requests that the legendary magician help the CIA on a dangerous covert operation. Mandrake reluctantly agrees, but soon finds himself caught up in an intricate web of deceit, fighting for his own survival from a brilliant criminal mastermind. I, I, I'm a little bit of a fan of Mandrake. I've, I've seen the character done in a couple different forms, most notably on animation. Um, he was a character that uh, they used in the series Defenders of the Earth, with had, which had him paired up with uh, Flash Gordon and the Phantom. And uh, <laughs> that description bears no resemblance to the character whatsoever. <laughs> No, it sounds like they've just sort of done a cross between James Bond and David Blaine, that street magician. Yep. Uh, yeah, kind of David Blaine mixed with... Born Identity? Yeah. yeah. Well, that yeah. sounds like a kind of a cool concept. I mean, yeah, it could be an interesting be thing. Faithful, it's just but... one of those things where, you know, they, they obviously they had to have paid someone for the rights to use the name Mandrake, but they're doing a film that, you know, bears no resemblance to the character whatsoever. Why didn't you just call it something else? It always baffles me when they do that. 
Yeah, it doesn't have a huge pre-built audience that is worth buying into the name for because it's you know not like this humongous surge of Mandrake fans who who you know will be really wanting to pay to see a movie about that. So you know, and you're doing a totally brand new story that that bears no resemblance to, but just has a character with the same last name. You know, why even bother paying for the option? <laughs> Right, yeah, that's always my question too. Now it could totally be a great film. I mean, it could come out. It could be very exciting and everything, and and you know, hopefully it is, and and hopefully you know we all want to plunk down our money to see it, and we all get an exciting ride. But it, it's just confusing from a strategy of of producing of of why make a film for a certain way. This falls into that other camp besides Iron Man films, where it's like totally different concept from you know the original comic. Sure, like uh, like Constantine. It could just be as simple as that it's easier for them to get money if, if the name is, you know, if it's attached to an option because it's a pre-made character. It's something that at least has some kind of history associated with it, so that might just make it easier to get financing. I don't know. It could be simple trendiness. I mean, comic book movies are obviously very, very hot in Hollywood right now, so that I think you might have it right there. That's, you know, buy up a cheap license, and you can't tell me that the Mandrake the Magician license was expensive. No, yeah, I'm sure that was and... a fairly easy one to get. And use that to get some some Hollywood producer to, to go, yeah, I want to do that. I've wanted to. Everybody else is making millions of dollars on superhero movies. I want to make mine, too. Well, they are now doing a new Flash Gordon at the same time. So can a new Phantom be far behind? Although I, I think it's still too early from the uh, movie from the 90s. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Hollywood can have a long memory that way. So another option, um, going back to some of our uh, earlier episodes where we spent a lot of time talking about Frank Miller and the time 300 was coming out, we uh, we talked about you know whether there were any other Frank Miller properties that could be made into movies, and uh, we kind of settled on Ronin as, as one of the main ones that were one of the few original Frank Miller projects that, that still had yet to be made into a film or, or optioned for a film. And uh, the story just came out yesterday that Warner Brothers has optioned Ronin. There's, there's no director attached yet. Uh, the screenplay is being written by Sylvain White, who uh, wrote, I believe, and directed the film Stomp the Yard. So there's talk that he may be the director as well, but at the moment he's been hired on as the writer. Uh, it's the same producers as 300. The story is that they plan to do it in the same kind of method as 300, that it would be done almost all green screen, um, shot on the same place on the same stages, because uh, that worked really well for them. And uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a cool story. It, it's a neat thing. Um, yeah, remind me again what the story is here. It's, uh, it's kind of a complex story, actually. It's been a long time since I've read it. I'm trying to kind of struggle to remember. It takes place in a sort of dystopian future, and Ronin is this, this sort of traditional Japanese samurai character who just appears in this future, and nobody really knows where he came from until the, the end of the story. They finally kind of tell you what why he's there and what his purpose is, but he kind of just, just carves this path of destruction through this this sort of Blade Runner-style future. Yeah, the story starts out back in feudal Japan. I mean, a ronin technically means it's a samurai who's lost their master. Um, so it's a, so it's a samurai who, who kind of kind of lost their honor because they don't have a master to serve anymore because their master got killed, and that happens to him. And it has something to do with a magical sword and a demon. And, and I think the demon killed his master, and he then gets tied with the demon to the sword, and then. He gets killed, but then it flashes forward, like you said, to a kind of Blade Runner type future where the sword gets found and, and magically he and the demon are both brought back into that time. And then it's it's like their battle in modern times and, and involved with them trying to stop gangs and or Ronan trying to stop the gangs and stuff like that. But 
reaction-oriented. Yeah, shall I reveal the ending or no? Because it does kind of... No, because I actually have never even read the ending. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was, was, I believe, a five-book series, and I read like the first... Was it six? Yeah, it was six. I think we had the same conversation a couple weeks ago. And I I read the first couple books. I think I read the first three or four. I never saw the fifth or sixth books. Yeah, well, there's... So I actually don't know how the story ends. There's a major twist at the end of the story. Okay, great. So uh, you should pick up the trade paper. Yeah, probably at some point I will pick up the full graphic novel and and read the whole series, catch up on that. Yeah, it does sound interesting. Yeah, definitely one of Miller's better better books. Yeah, and it's nice that it, you know, just like 300, it has no tie to any existing comic book stuff. It just was a one-off story that he did and and, uh, should work fairly well as a self-contained film. Uh, so moving on um, to the animated series, The Batman, the Saturday morning series. Um, th- right now, they've, they're just in the final two episodes of the season, their final story, and they've actually started to expand his world a little bit by bringing in more DC characters. They're starting off right now with the two-part finale with the Martian Manhunter, which is kind of cool. Uh, but they do plan on next next season bringing in more DC characters. And uh, the first one that there's already been a production photo of um, is The Flash, uh, going to be on The Batman. So it's kind of cool that they'll, you know, while those characters are kind of free, they're not being done animation at the moment, they're going to bring some of them onto The Batman next year. Um, I did watch the first half of the uh, Martian Manhunter, and it was fairly cool. I mean, the one thing I thought was very interesting is is we are very much looking forward to the uh, the animated movie of The New Frontier, which uh, will be one of DC's animated movies, uh, direct-to-DVD coming up. And um, in, in their Martian Manhunter introduction, they actually stole a scene, I mean, like completely hardcore stole not not an homage <laughs> i mean it's not stealing if it's theirs i mean it's it's obviously warner brothers producing it so, so they can do whatever the heck they want with it with a warner brothers story but uh right. they, they completely did the scene of martian manhunter watching tv and changing to be whatever he sees on tv which was a very <laughs> cool scene in the new frontier and a scene that i was very much looking forward to on, on the animated movie and i wonder if they'll kind of try to do some kind of new twist on it or something since uh the batman just kind of stole the thunder on that beat him to it maybe maybe not it was, it was very cool seeing it on animation i just was surprised to have seen it prior to that movie i think it's cool you know i may it get me to start watching the batman because i think i said before on the show i i watched the first few episodes and didn't really like it and so i currently don't watch it i did record the uh the first part of the martian manhunter story i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but i did i read that and i thought yeah that sounds cool i'll give that show another chance so on the one hand i love that they're going to add more DC characters, and I had read that they're they're going to do the Flash and a few others, building towards maybe doing some kind of Justice League thing. But at the same time, I I, I find myself being critical in the same way I've been critical of of this last season of Smallville is that we're adding we add new characters, so is the show still the Batman, or is it? True. They, have they already run out of things to say about Batman, and they have to? introduce new characters in order to to provide material for stories well and it's not like we were in a desperate need for a justice league series because a really really good one just finished just ended yeah made by totally different people true so yep yeah so it's not like there'd been 10 years since there'd been you know some of these characters done in animation right so i'm critical but at the same time as far as as a tactic to get more viewers it certainly worked because i'm going to start watching the show again and i hadn't been before so so it 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 pains me that their tricks work on me, but <laughs> but they do. Yeah, it'll, it'll just be fun to see what their take on it is. Yeah, it's exactly. always kind of yeah. kind of good, especially in animation. I feel like you can play a little bit more on that. You know, it's not so big that it's you know could ruin the character in the minds of people or perceptions of people for ten twenty years if you had a really bad 
film done of it. The Phantom. And, uh. and yeah, and I like the idea of getting to see some of these other characters. You know, the the yeah. one of the reasons it was so easy for me to just dismiss the Batman and decide not to watch it is that there's really no shortage of Batman material out there. You there's there's just a ridiculous amount of Batman material. The '90s animated series I thought was great. It's probably my favorite yeah, you're not favorite version that. of Batman. Two regular, anywhere between two and four regular monthly comic book titles at any given time. You know, the current series of movies is really good. So I don't feel like there's a there's a Batman shaped hole in my life that I need to fill. But you know, with them adding different characters, you know, maybe I would like to see more Flash material or more Martian Manhunter material. So at least I'll get that out of it. So in that way, I think it's a neat idea. Yeah, because one thing on on the Justice League animated, they had the Martian Manhunter character, but they never had him as the Detective John Jones, which is where they started with him in the Batman. And it was more along the lines of his character as done in the New Frontier, where they really focused on the detective side of him and and the interaction between him and Batman as, as two detectives, which was very cool. So already that's a better, you know, it's a slightly different take than they did on Justice League and something that they didn't cover on there. Right, more in-depth on the character. And Justice League very, very studiously avoided doing anything with any of the characters' uh, secret identities. Nobody, none of the characters on that show ever appeared in their civilian outfits. I think they did one episode They did where the, the one, yeah, they did the, the, the core the group has movie. To, yeah, they have to disguise themselves, but that really was kind of a special deal. And for the most part, they always appeared in costume. And the only thing you saw was them doing their superheroic stuff. The only other exception I can think of is there was one story that centered around uh, John Stewart, where it starts out with him visiting his old neighborhood where he grew up. Yeah, they started to do it towards the you know later on in the series. Initially, definitely the first season, they made a point of not doing it at all. And then later on, they kind of had more. They had like a Flash episode where the Flash, you know, they did show him as 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 Wally West, but basically. Being Barry Allen, um, he was he was Wally West being a police scientist, basically having Barry Allen's life. Yeah, where well, and when uh, I mean later on in the series, they they kind of the first couple seasons that they fell into this this sort of five to seven character pattern where they would always have between five and seven of the the characters involved in the story. And on the when they started Justice League Unlimited, they cut that it usually was a like three or four characters they would focus on in each story, so that gave them more room to to talk about details of the characters. Uh, so moving on to, um, you mentioned Smallville. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about heroes and the online component they're doing for that and, and the uh, comic books that they have online and how cool that is that they've kind of taken that show and, and given it a world outside the show. Um, they're starting to try to do that a little bit on Smallville. Um, I think you wanted to talk about that, Jefferson. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went on, uh, I saw that they were doing that, and I thought it was interesting because we had just talked about the Heroes online component before. Um, did either of you get a chance to go on and actually fiddle with any of the, the I, I, Well, stuff? I watched the, the kind of little animated movie. I mean, you know, they showed it on, on TV on in between commercial breaks on, on the show, but then you went online and you could really kind of – Get a little bit more detail on it. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. Was, there the animated was the, movie was pretty cool. The, little animated the, comic, the and then it was, they it have was a, a cool format like that, which mm-hmm. is really yeah. neat. It wasn't bad. My only complaint about it is that a lot of the times the animation went by too quickly. I had I had trouble reading reading some of the word balloons because yeah, you had to watch it a couple times to really kind of know what they had just done on there. Exactly. And uh, as far as the the rest of the online stuff, it's basically just sort of a, a puzzle game that you go on, and there's I guess there's a new part each week. I played through the first two parts and they're they're little fairly simple puzzles what i thought was kind of neat about them is that like the first one at least was based on it was sort of a trivia quiz based on stuff from the show's history that that had to do with the the storyline that they're doing now 
and but they gave you all they gave you everything you needed to, to answer the questions right there on the website so you could go through uh like chloe sullivan's video diary and they they had uh the actress who plays chloe tape some new material just for this that uh has her interviewing different people in town that have been affected by the the plot line and uh, there's another bit with uh you get to see some of uh lionel luther's uh the, like the the shareholders report for luther corp and some there they have like a whole archive of old uh uh, whatever the Smallville newspaper, the Smallville Herald, I think it's called, the the newspaper's articles and articles from The Torch, which was the paper that Chloe edited. So it was neat, it was neat to sort of give you some depth to the, the, the very cohesive world that they've built up around the show and let you play a little game to, to sort of test the knowledge that you'd gathered. So it was neat. I mean, there's almost too much material, though. There's almost too much stuff on there. I, I got a little lost in, in all the, the, the little background material that they had on the on there. Yeah, I didn't get into the game at all. I just kind of watched the little animated movie because I thought that was cool. Because as opposed to the heroes, where it's, where it's a static, you know, regular comic book, they they basically did an animated comic book, which was yeah, kind of cool. The heroes material is definitely more passive. It's just basically stuff that you read and listen to. Whereas the stuff on the Smallville site was definitely a lot more interactive. It was actually something you could get involved in solving this these little puzzles on this game. And it was just neat that the puzzles had to do with with stuff that's backstory stuff that's going on on the show so uh, i thought it was neat but i do think that overall that the whole thing might be a little bit too involved for most most viewers a little bit too much work maybe i i found even i found it to be a little bit you know headache inducing but i so thought as it was you're solving deep. these puzzles is there some sort of payoff like a contest or there's yeah well there's yeah there is a contest actually uh you, it's very very transparently clear that the the web content is being uh Sponsored by, uh, I think it's 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 a, it's a car. car company. Yeah, I think it's is it uh, Honda maybe. I can't remember who, but but you win the car if if at the end of it all they're going to do a drawing and, and you if you solve all six puzzles then you get entered into a drawing to win one of these cars. But the car that they're hawking features heavily in the storyline. The storylines about some guy who was investigating Luther Corp and he left a. He disappeared, but his car was found by the side of the road, and he left all these clues in his car. And so the second puzzle is you X-raying his car, which is this this the car that they're they're trying to sell you. So uh, yeah, the, the the corporate backing was pretty transparent on it too, but it didn't stop me from enjoying it. The same's true of the hero stuff. It's it's been clearly sponsored by the uh, Nissan Versa, which they actually even used as as a car featured prominently in the show. So so that that kind of stuff is is kind of part and parcel with with that kind of uh, interactive stuff because someone has to pay for for the companies sure. producing the interactive stuff because it's free for the free for the public, which I think is probably a good idea. So as usually happens this time of year, um, usually tied to one of the big superhero movies coming out, we are having free comic book day this Saturday. Um, so Jefferson, could you kind of quickly go over what some of the books are that are coming out on sure. Saturday? Yeah. Uh, Saturday, May 5th is free comic book day. I, most participating comic shops should have at least these uh, main comics that uh, put out by publishers that are sponsoring the event. Uh, there's an Archie comic, uh, which is kind of fun for, for older readers. Um, Bongo Comics, which is the Simpsons, they publish all the Simpsons comics. They're doing a, a Simpsons free for all comic. Uh, Dark Horse is doing one called the Umbrella Academy, which looks like a new series that they're doing. DC is doing a Legion of Superheroes, but looks like done in the style of the animated series. Let's see, Dynamite Entertainment has a looks like just a preview book. Uh, it's a Battlestar Galactica and Lone Ranger flip book, so. Half of it will be Battlestar Galactica and half of it will be Lone Ranger. It won't be a crossover between the two. 
but wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> um, Dynamite Entertainment's a fairly new publisher that does almost entirely licensed material, and they, their Lone Ranger series is actually pretty good. I've been reading it. Uh, let's see what else have we got. IDW is doing a Transformers comic. Of course, it's a movie prequel. Um, Image is doing one called The Astounding Wolfman, which looks kind of fun. It's uh, written by Robert Kirkman, who's been a really popular writer in comics. He's done a lot of the Marvel Zombies material that Marvel's been publishing and having a bizarre amount of success with. Marvel is, of course, doing a Spider-Man comic to tie in with the film. It's a new story with new art, uh, not a direct connection to the film other than the fact that it's a Spider-Man comic. And uh, Tokyo Pop has a, they're a, a manga publisher. They have a manga title that they're doing called uh, Choose Your Weapon. And then there's a bunch more. All the independent publishers have their own books. So there's, besides those I already named, there's about, looks like about 20 more or 25 more titles that you can pick up. And some stores will let you grab one of each. Some stores will limit it to one or two per customer. It just depends on the store that you go to. I usually like to make a day of it and go around to as many different shops as I can. And I'll buy something at <laughs> each shop, too. Yeah, that's the, that's kind of the purpose of the free comic book day is to ju- just kind of remind people that, that America comic book stores are still there and, and you should get into them and, and give people a reason to stop by if they don't normally go to them and, and hopefully get them to start buying at them. Yeah, exactly. The, the point of it is to get new people into the shops. And, you know, I, I used to run a comic book store in Denver, and it always used to kind of bug me that, that so many people would come in on free comic day and grab all the free comics and just split and you'd never see them again. So uh, if you do decide to go and pick up some free comics, do do your friendly comic shop owner a favor and pick something up or even better, go back the next week and pick something up, you know, let them know that the promotion is working. Uh, but it looks like they, they usually do pretty quality material for these. Almost all of these will be either books with new material or previews of books that will be published later in the year. Right. It sounds like a lot of these books are just kind of introductions or, mm-hmm. you know, very short yeah. stories, but not a yeah. full comic book. Yeah, things right. to get yeah. new readers, obviously, and people who don't normally yeah, they, buy comics. Right. They yeah. are they are definitely aimed at new readers. But they are each one is actually a full-length comic book, though. They're not like little 10-page things. They are full, full-sized, full-length, full-color comics. Out of those, oh, I, I may have to stop by just for that Lone Ranger because that's that's a character I'm really into. And I've, I've been seeing that they've been producing those new books, but I haven't checked any of them out yet. Yeah, though, I started reading them. I picked up the first five of them last week at the shop, and they're great. They're really, really well done. Well, it can't beat the price of free. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our news for this week because I still want to get to the rumors. Um, but keep checking the news out at SuperheroCinema.com every day. Uh, now let's get on the rumor treadmill where stories hop on and hop off pretty quickly. <laughs> Okay, our first uh, rumor for the week is uh, that uh, we were talking about the the, um, the Magneto film, that there's movement on that. There might be movement, there might not be movement on the Wolverine film. Um, that's the other spinoff from X-Men. Um, there was what looked like it could have been a casting notice. Um, it looked like it also could have been someone's you know, idea that there was a casting notice. Um, it didn't necessarily look written like it was in one of the trades. Uh, so I don't know where that notice might've been. So they might be casting for Wolverine. They might not be, um, there, uh, one of the, uh, rumor sites or online sites did have a review of the, of the Wolverine script. Um, I don't read those, um, just because I don't want to have that too spoiled for me. I know a lot of people do, but if you want to uh, Take a look on the site and, and see which news site was covering that and uh, see that script review if you want to see, you know, at least what the current version of the script is and uh, what they're going to be having in the story there. Um, those are usually pretty accurate, which is why I don't normally read them. 
So more stuff on the Dark Knight. Um, this was last week. This was this was after we did the convention, and I'm kind of glad that we we weren't around to cover the story that week because uh, if we had, we would have gotten burned. There were two different uh, pictures that were put up online that were supposed to be pictures of Heath Ledger uh, doing makeup tests uh, tests of what he was going to look like as the Joker. Um, they've since been established that both of those pictures were both fakes. They were both uh, pictures that just someone online had done. The the person who did the second one even fessed up to it the very next day he showed the Heath Ledger picture that he had used to base it on and how uh, that the way he made it look like a makeup test picture is that he had used uh, some picture of a different actor doing a makeup test and, and con- kind of combined those added in his own ideas of what the Joker might look like but both of those pictures were fake so as of as of the moment we still have no you know knowledge or no established pictures or indication of what Heath Ledger looks like as the Joker or, or what they're kind of designed for the character is. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that he's probably going to have white skin and green hair. But, but, Most likely. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's that's actually not even a given. I mean, that's, you know, they'll obviously want to have some kind of iconic elements, but with with uh, the way they're going with the films, they're definitely kind of reinventing and, and kind of taking their own realistic take on things. So, so we're not quite sure, you know, what that look or what that design is going to be for the character. Um, so another one, uh, this this actually could have been a story in the rumors a couple weeks ago, and I didn't cover it then. I'm going to cover it now, but I still don't think it's any more real than I did then, uh, why, I didn't, why I didn't add it to the list of stories a couple weeks ago. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there had been a story that, that uh, someone had said that they were trying to cast Sarah Michelle Gellar in a film, and they were told by her people that she was not going to be available because she's going to be working on Batman during that time. So that started uh, some stories online basically saying that Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to be in Batman. Um, there was no corroboration to it. There was no confirmation. So the story just kind of petered out, and I didn't even want to cover it because it just didn't seem that credible. Um, it came back up this week, and uh, you know, this this na- this time they were a little bit more specific, saying that Sarah Michelle Gellar will be playing Harley Quinn. Um, certainly could happen. I could certainly see her getting cast in that part. It could be fun, but there's no confirmation at the moment, so it's totally rumor. Yeah, it just strikes me as being sort of internet fan, wouldn't it be cool if kind of thing. I mean, the the way they've gone with the casting for the, the Batman, the new uh, series of Batman films doesn't, I mean, it strikes me as awfully gimmicky. Yeah, it definitely feels like something that would have happened in the previous Batman films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I certainly can't see them doing it in the current one, so I think it's most likely nonsense. So another uh, non-story, we were actually asked about this at the convention uh, last week, and uh, we kind of shrugged it off then and and have since been proven right. Um, Someone had asked whether the Hulk was going to be gray and found out on that Monday why why we were asked that because there were some kind of misquotes of Avi Arad where where someone had taken his comment and kind of misunderstood it and taken it to say that he was saying that the Hulk was going to be gray in the new film. Um, He's since cleared that up. Avi Arad is, is the producer who producer on all the marvel films um and he cleared it up and said that when he said that the hulk would be a different color what he meant is that the hulk was going to be a different shade of green so the hulk will definitely still be green there will not be a gray hulk in the new film he'll be an angrier shade of green and uh, Empire Magazine, which is both online and an actual paper magazine, um, they, I guess, had done a set visit on Iron Man. And during that set visit, they had, in their story, reported that Sean Tube, who we've talked about as uh, a possible you know, rumor that he might be playing the Mandarin, um, they had actually said that he was playing the Mandarin. They've since uh, corrected themselves and said that he's not playing the Mandarin, but he's actually, in fact, playing Yinsen, who is the guy who helps Tony Stark put together the, the first set of 
of Iron Man armor. Empire Magazine at the moment is still the only one saying that. Um, if you look on any of the casting lists officially online for Iron Man, it still lists Sean Tube as being cast in the film, but still no indication of who he's playing, so I'm still considering that rumor at this point. We know he's in the film, but we don't know who he's playing yet. Right, and generally speaking, the the British press, Empire's a British magazine, the British press is not known for their, their accuracy when it comes to reporting these things. I just thought that it was interesting that they made such a point of correcting themselves that he's that he's not cast in this part, he's cast in that part, but in both cases neither has been confirmed. So right, you know, exactly, it's, it's rumor either way. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Well, if you haven't already, click on the subscribe link on our website to subscribe to the podcast, or find us on iTunes by searching for Superhero Cinema on there. And speaking of iTunes, um, if you are subscribed on iTunes and you like the show, help us promote uh, the show by writing a review. It uh, helps the show grow by getting us up on the front page of iTunes. Uh, the more re- positive reviews that we get on that, the more chance we have of appearing on the front page and uh, getting more people listening. Because uh, we like that there are people out there listening and we want even more of you. If you do have any news stories, suggestions for what you want us to talk about, or suggestions for things you don't want us to talk about anymore, or any comments on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at superherocinema.com. You can even leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our Skype name is Superhero Cinema. Thank you again, Jefferson and Jonathan. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Michael. And thank you to our listeners for joining us once again. We hope you keep showing up for Superhero Cinema. We're saving the world one fan at a time. <laughs>